Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Hopefully you got an outline today. I do want to get right into the Scripture. Yes, you saw a double-sided outline with five points. Oh my, I gave you this outline because in case I don't get to them. Hallelujah. You'll be able to fill them in. If you did not get an outline, lift up your hands and our very fast walking ushers will get to you. Please keep your hand up. I love to make sure everyone has one of these. Um, no matter what the message or who's preaching or who's speaking, wherever you go, you will only listen and retain 21% of what is said. Uh, you'll pay, you know, that's just how we are, human nature. So when you write things down, it helps you stick with it. This is one of those messages where I want to really make sure this sticks with you. We're on a series called A Journey Through the Book of Acts, and I love it because it's a journey. When you go through the Bible, you don't just go through the Bible. The Bible goes through you. Did you catch that? So as we go through the book of Acts, there's going to be different messages all, all the way through. But the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives. So why don't you open up the Bible to Acts chapter 4, stand to your feet, as we always do that, at least most of the time, we like to stand, uh, unless I'm preaching in a different way, but we love to stand to give honor to the Word. We are in Acts 5, but we're going to start in Acts 4, and this is going to be, uh, I've been figuring out how to preach this, but the best way is the way I, I go, verse 32 of chapter 4. We'll read a couple of these scriptures and then we'll get right, right into it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I really believe that people are going to be set free today. Amen. Set free from some things that have been uh, just haunting you. Uh, addictions. And when I say addiction, it doesn't always have to be a substance. Um, things, patterns that need to be broken. It can happen right here in this moment on this service today. Thank you for watching online. We have been uh, really making more of an effort to acknowledge you. We've, God is saved. People are getting saved online, guys. Given, filled with the Holy Spirit. Healing. Come on. It, it's amazing what is going on. And I do want to give a shout out to Melinda's mom and dad, who we went up and visited, lives way up north, who've been watching uh, so faithfully online. I hope they're watching today uh, and getting blessed by the word. Verse, look at what's happening. So we are in verse 32. This is after the lame man was healed. This, whole, this event is, is just turning into other events. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. That scripture can preach for three days. It's amazing what you just read. Number one, they were in one heart and one soul. But look at verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Now, when you see these adjectives, they're not just adjectives. They are, every word was purposely put in there. I'll come back to this verse. That's our main verse for the day that sets off the next chapter. Now, there was, nor was there anyone, anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and they laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. He's a Levite of the country of Cyprus. Having land, he sold his property and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Verse 33 is what I want to push off at as it says that, and with great power, the apostles gave witness, and great grace was upon them. The word great there is the Greek word megas, megas. Obviously, we get our English word mega. So I want to title this mega grace. 
I mean, oh, God has some grace, but he's got some mega grace in your life. How many could use some mega grace in your life today? You may not be so happy when I explain to you what that really is. <laughs> because many right now are like, yeah, I need that grace. Okay, okay. Because you know, if you've been in the church for a while, folks, church people, we're at Acts chapter 5, Kavar. Everybody knows what Acts chapter 5 is. Ananias and Sapphira. Okay. How is grace? I picked a good day. To, you picked a good day to come to church today. This is all going to make sense because grace is something we all need, but it does something that uh, is not just what many of us may think. So, Father, we thank you for this time, and it is your grace that we do need. Your grace is how we are set free. Your grace is how we love one another. Your grace is how we live this Christian life. We're not perfect, but we are covered. And Father, we are more than just covered. We are empowered by this grace. I pray that, Lord, today will be the day that your sons and daughters will be set free and then walk in that prophetic anointing and freedom that you want all of us to have in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go ahead and be seated. This is another very busy portion of Scripture. It starts to level out as we go through Acts, and it's not so busy, but Luke is fitting in everything that's taken place. So he goes from one very powerful story to another, and it's just too good to pass up. Uh, but he shoves a lot in this passage. You have two people who are judged by uh, God and, and drop dead in church service that is happening right here. You have then a great miracle that begins to happen. The people begin to be in awe and uh, begin to come to the temple and, and wanted to join the church. And Peter would walk toward the church and his shadow would touch people and they would be healed. Never happened before or after that we know of. This was just a very... Um, short dispensation of God's mega grace that he had, he had poured out on his people. Then they, were, they caused a, a commotion, then they were arrested for causing the commotion. Romans did not like the Jews to uh, gather uh, in, in great numbers. They were always afraid of a coup or an or a uprising, so they, they got very nervous when they started seeing Greeks and, and other ethnicities join along with this Jewish uh, movement that they labeled at first, and it's getting beyond them. So they, would, they felt threatened, so they would arrest them. They arrested Peter, put him in prison, but the Bible says an angel opened up the door and let him out. He goes right back to the middle of the town square and starts to preach again. And uh, it ends with them beating them. And, and, and finally they said, you know what? One of the Pharisees spoke up and said, if this thing is of God, we can't stop it. But if this thing is of man, if it's just an emotional thing, if it's just a religious, man-made story, it's going to fade out like all the other man-made stories and cults and religious people. But if this thing is truly of God, you can't stop it no matter how bad you try. It will continue to grow. And how many know in 2021, I think we can say this was not a man's idea, but this was a movement of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Give me praise for that if you believe that today. Hallelujah. Amen. So all of that I just read to you was a demonstration, watch this, of God's grace. It's God's grace that you need as a parent. Some of you are like, yes. You need, a, you need God's grace to be single. All the single people be like, come on, you know what I'm talking about? You need God's grace to walk it out and to glorify God in your singleness. You need the grace of God to honor God in every area of your life. You need God's grace to be a good worker. Uh, the first person that had the Holy Spirit working on their life in the Old Testament was a carpenter, was an iron worker when they began to uh, build the things for God. They weren't really the gifts of the Spirit like we thought, but the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord were upon them, and they would craft, and they would, they would build and construct the temple of God. I mean, that's God's special grace and ability. We see it in the Olympics right now. You'll hear people say this, man, what great grace they had. Last night, I was watching the X Games, the skateboarders, okay? And uh, my skateboarding career was 
very brief <laughs> back in the day, but uh, we tried it and uh, had a little bulldog that would chase us down the street. So I got really good. I, I can go fast, but I always got mad. But when you hit a rock, it was like <laughs> game over, right? So got back on my bike. Anyway, but last night they were jumping on their skateboards and coming down railings and, you know, just all of that. And you would hear them say, just so graceful that they're doing that. Really, don't, they don't know what they're saying, but that's exactly what the Bible describes what grace is. It's, it's the gift that comes from God. This isn't in your notes, but this is a gift that comes from God to allow you to do what he's called you to do. That's God's grace. He will give you the ability to do what he's called you to do. Only God can do that. Your boss will give you a promotion, but he's not going to give you the ability to do your job. He'll say, do your job or you're going to get fired. Your college professor will promote you or, or pass you uh, whatever grade you on, but he won't, he won't give you the ability. you got to do the homework. you got to do the work. you got to do the research. you got to do the typing. Come on, students, right? God is the only leader that will say, I want you to complete this task, but I'll give you the grace to even do it. That's great grace. That's grace. And here, it was great grace. But grace is not just the cover-up that we, we so so famously say, like when I said, how many want mega grace? We were like, yeah, because many people say like, I can mega sin to get mega grace. They actually accused the apostle Paul of teaching that uh, in, in Romans. That's why he says, because God has given us his grace, does that mean we should continue to sin? God forbid, for I died to that old life. So God's grace helps me to live this new life. Paraphrase the whole chapter 6 of Romans. It does cover our sins. It does make us look good in the eyes of God. The Bible says in Colossians 1, 22 and 23 that we are blameless above reproach through the death of Christ in the eyes of God. Imagine that. The person next to you is perfect in the eyes of God if they are under the grace. But here's the thing I want you to write down. Grace isn't about position but about practice. Grace, let me show you this scripture in Titus chapter 2. One scripture um, to make it short because there are so many. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to who? Who? Even the people that live in these tribes that are unknown up in the world that people say, what about them, Pastor Eddie? Scripture says this one and in Romans, other scriptures, that God has demonstrated himself to all people. Here, the grace of God appears to all men, covering up all of our sins. No, no, no. What's that next word? I feel like teaching today. I got my teaching outfit on today. I need my glasses. They're over there. Teaching us. How does the grace that's supposed to cover our sins teach us? I, I don't understand. It's like, to completely, no, 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 no. The grace of God teaches us, what? That denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So the grace of God teaches us. In other words, I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve to be on this stage. I don't deserve my next breath. I don't, none of us do. I understand that I am a sinful, broken man in desperate need of restoration in God's grace. When he forgave me of my violent lifestyle and my addictive and destructive lifestyle 24 years ago, I didn't pay for it. I, didn't I should have went to the cross, but God said, Jesus died for you. He will cover and pay for all of your sin. You are free and clear. Come on, that's, that's good enough for everybody to be praising God right now. Come on. If you've been forgiven for a whole lot, people don't even know what it is. You need to be clapping right now. You need to be clapping for the other person that's not clapping because they don't realize what they've been forgiven of. Come on, those of you at home, put some clap emojis in there or something. You need to celebrate that because God's grace has been good to all of us. None of us deserve it. Therefore, here's the point, if you really believe that, that you don't deserve it, you will then be thankful and live an entirely different life. And that's our problem. Because what you think you're entitled to will stop you from being thankful. 
If you think you are entitled, if I think I am entitled to this kind of thing, I won't be thankful for it when you give it to me. And America, we have gotten in this consumer mentality that we just, it's all about us. We all battle it. We all battle it. But I want to set you free today to let you know that none of us deserve it. None of us deserve it. All of us are sinful. All of us have gone astray and went our own evil way. All of us are deserving of hell. Would you believe that? None of us deserve to stand next to a holy and perfect God in heaven and say, you know what, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, so therefore you need to let me in, bro. I'm not as bad as them that's beyond CNN and Fox News. Them killers over there, I'm not all I, you know, I'm human. I, you know, I do my little, and there's not a scale that God says, okay, if you've got more on this side, then you get to come in. If you've got more on this side, you get to stay out. No, the only difference is, is God says, I don't want to see you. I can't even smell you because you're a rank sinner compared to my goodness. I'm just looking to see if my son Jesus' blood has covered you from all of your sin. And then you you're able to enter in to my kingdom. Ooh. I know we don't like it. We don't like that. I, I'm hurting your inner child right now. I know all of us, we, we, we hurt that little sense of self-righteousness. But I got to get us lost before I can get you found. I, I got to get us to understand that God's grace is better than anything that we've ever gotten. Now, the other side of the coin is this. When you realize everything I just said, you're going to want to do better. You're going to want to do better because, man, this costed Jesus his life. And I got a relationship with Jesus. So, so Lord, if, if, if I participate in this function that you died for that, and although I like it, but you said it's destructive, I'm going to believe you and I love you. And, and God, I'm going to choose you rather than that. And you've given me the grace to stay away from it. Hallelujah. So God's grace begins to show up in chapter 4 and 5 in a different way. Those miracles, God's grace. God has his grace. Some, you know, every healing and miracle you've received, it's by God's grace. But then you begin to see some other things emerge in this chapter. And as I begin to get through it, I got all the way down to, to the fourth one. And I said, this is like making a, a little acronym of the word grace. So at the end of your notes, you can actually put these words together. And according to Acts 4 and 5, it makes a little acronym of grace that you find in these chapters. Different uh, different uh, characteristics that show up. The first one is, is generosity that shows up. They lived a very generous life because of this mega grace. Did you hear what it says? They didn't consider, consider any of their possessions as their own. Now listen, we may not physically do what they did in this chapter, but our attitude does need to be the same. And that is, God owns it all. Right. I'm going to help you today. God owns it all. Right. But he won't if you feel that we're entitled. You see that? You see how that works? If you realize that everything you have is a gift from God, you'll be more generous if the grace of God is on you. If you realize that grace is on you. And you realize, we will realize we are just stewards of it. That's why they were so generous. It wasn't their money. They knew it was, it was God's money. I love this quote by J. Oswald Chambers. He said, the basic question is not how much of our money we should give to God, but how much of God's money we should keep for ourselves. Think of that. Think of that. You know, and, and we, we're all about God, you know, bless me and, and, and this and that. And, but, man, you realize everything we have, the next breath in your body, everybody go. God says, you're welcome. We, we forget that, right? Everything we have is a gift from God. And when we really live that kind of life, that's God's grace that is showing up there. The results of them walking in this kind of grace, did you read it? There were no needy person among them. Did you read that? There were no needy person among them. I mean, they totally just took care of the poverty problem. If we would all just walk in this grace. I know what you're thinking. Oh, my pastor. Oh, I just worked very hard. I just bought me this. I just bought me that. I just bought me that. Listen, 
I'm not saying we all need to bring our... Next Sunday, everybody bring your possessions to the barn out back. It's a pretty big barn. And we will distribute... Uh, uh, some people have tried to make a case for Christian socialism here. And let me tell you something. That is not what it is. Because you never read any of the apostles demanding the people do that. Did you catch that? Peter didn't say, in order to join my church, you've got to do what Barnabas did. There's no mention of him even taking up an offering. Here's the point. They willfully gave. Why? They had the grace. They had the grace working in their life. Do you see it? It's so simple. It's so simple. But we, we stop. Oh, no, no, no. no. Don't panic. I already took up the offerings. Okay? So it's not, it's not about that. It's not about, it's not about that. It's about when you, God's grace is upon our life, we begin to live generously. They walked in this spirit of generosity where they were, they were just givers. When you see needs, that, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He'll, you see a need and God will just move upon your heart. Some are actually have a gift. There is an actual gift of giving that is mentioned in Romans chapter 12 where it's a gift that people have. We have some in our church that see needs more than others. I do not have that gift. You can be flashing red with a big need right in front of me, and I'm going, you're distracting me. You know? <laughs> Why are you wearing red colors? I mean, I don't get it sometimes. But other people, they're sensitive to that. They, have a, they, have a, they look at for needs, and they're like, man, we need to help that. We, we need to figure out a way how we can help these nonprofits that are gospel-centered. So let's come up with a cafe. And people love coffee. People love tea. People love these drinks. And let's think of a way, and then boom, boom, boom. That all started from a spirit of God's grace of generosity being upon us. I mean, just, just the, the, but the early church had that spirit upon them of generosity. I pray we need more of that in our lives to be able to be generous people and to walk in generosity. The next one was encouragement. They had encouragement in this early church. That was God's grace. That, that, was, that was God's grace that was upon these people. And one in particular person, I want you to see this. His name was Barnabas. His name was Joseph uh, at first. But he had such a grace of encouraging people on his life that they actually changed his name and said, you know what, man, we're not going to call you. are just one of them kind of people that just everybody loves to be around you, and you just make people feel better. How many know some folks like that? You just love to be around. They just make you feel better. Some of us need to meet some friends that are more like Barnabas today. Come on. <laughs> and here's the, here's the thing. Barnabas, he was a Levite. That meant he could be a priest. He could have been one of the leaders of the church, but the Bible says he was sent to that church just to be an encourager. That's how important. How many know encouragement is powerful? How many know encouragement is powerful? Especially when it's unsolicited. When, when, when it is just, hey man, I just want you to know that, uh, man, you look good or you're doing great at that. You're just doing awesome. I just, I just love our church. I just blowed away at it. Our worship team up here working so hard. Allison, you nailed that song. That's a, I mean, you just did such an awesome job when your voice just came out leading that song. I just want to encourage how awesome that is. And I know your story, and I know what God has done in your life, how his grace has been upon you. I guarantee if I keep going, she's going to start crying. So I stopped. I meant every word of it because I, it's true and I know her. But you know what also? It's that grace of encouragement. It's that grace that's right there. It's of encouragement. It's powerful. You never know who's sitting next to you. I believe that God, God brought them, could have brought them today just for you to encourage them. This man, that's all he did. He wasn't a gift in the spirit. We don't find out until Acts 13 that he was actually a prophet or a teacher. He was a Levite, though, but he, told, he said, you know what? I'm fine. I don't need to be up on stage. I don't need to be in leadership. I just like going around encouraging people. And God said, I'm going to make sure you get in the number one best-selling book in human history. Boom, right in the story of the early church. Powerful of encouragement. Don't wait to be encouraged, but be an encourager yourself. That, that's what I wanna, want you to know, because God has given you the grace to do it. 
And I know we may not feel it, man, because I got so much going on in my life. I got this going on in my life. And, and we wait for someone to encourage us. Don't be that. We need to be more intentional. That's what they did. And God has given us the grace to do that. We drop our kids off in the river kids. Thank you, Lindsay and Felicia and whoever's working. I'm Tomas or serving. Tomas and uh, Sierra, I believe, are back there. You're not watching our kids. You're not babysitting our kids, right? They're teaching them scripture. They, they went through the curriculum. They studied. They learned. They prepared. And, and, they, and they give in. And many of you serve on that team. You know exactly what I mean. Thank you, Brother Kavar, for pouring into our young people and, and getting them on fire for God. Look at them sitting on the first few rows. Taking notes, listening, bringing it in. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. And just and the power of encouragement. Okay, those are the two Twinkies that I gave you. Are you ready? Then come Ananias and Sapphira, two people that show up in Acts chapter 5. But I want you to write this down because it shows up in three different places within the first four chapters that they had the grace of God, great grace, and they walked in reverence or great fear of the Lord. Now, here's where we begin to turn the corner. I love about encouragement. That's God's grace. And, and I've had people speak into my life that has said, especially when I was brand new in the Lord, and did not have any friends. Everybody at my work just turned on me. I just remember eating lunch by myself, walking out into the parking lot all by myself and sitting out there and just, it's real. But God would have people and would just speak into my, every now and then, it wasn't even every day. I could have used a lot more, but I, I learned to make it. And I'll show you how that in just a few minutes. But encouragement would go a long way when people would give it to me. But they walked in the fear of the Lord, in great fear of the Lord. In chapter 2, I just give you one of the verses. It says, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Every time you see the word, they walked in the fear of the Lord, you'll find there was miracles done. So I think what we're, we are missing today in America, if I could just be honest, is, is we need encouragement, we, we, we need to be generous, but what we really need in the American church today more than ever, I believe, is a healthy, reverential fear of the Lord. A reverential fear of the Lord, a healthy fear of the Lord. Remember our scripture starting out this year, Exodus 20, 21, where Moses drew near, but the people stood off. And God said, don't be afraid, for God put his fear in you to see if you feared the Lord and you would not sin. It sounds like a contradiction. What God was doing is he was testing them to see if you really fear me, because the fear of the Lord is one will cause one to depart from sin. The fear of the Lord one departs from iniquity. It's not the love of the Lord, it's the fear of the Lord. You gotta get that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I mean, if you just looked up the words, the fear of the Lord in the New Testament alone, you'd be blown away at how many times it is mentioned. It says Jesus himself would pray and offer up prayers and walked in the fear of the God. He would teach on it. Don't be afraid of man for they can just kill your body. Fear him who can put your soul into hell. Jesus said those words. It's like, whoa. And then he said the next verse. But don't be fearful, for God takes care of the sparrows that you see that fly overhead. He'll take care of you. What's he doing? He's giving them that love and that fear. The fear of the Lord. So what happens here, you see great fear, and it's obviously so. After you have these two people, Ananias and Sapphira, there's a husband and wife. And they seen what Barnabas did. They seen Barnabas being generous and being one of them guys. And everybody loves to be around people that encourages you, right? Yes, we all do. You just, you, we love that. We love for people to compliment us and tell us you're doing a good job, you know, and, and, and we will go our way to, to go by them sometimes or to call them or hang. They're just fun to be around. Well, Barnabas had everybody around him. He, they, they changed his name. And so these two people, said, um, Ananias said to his wife, you know, Let's tell the church that we're going to do the same thing. And they said, hey, church, I want everybody to know we're, we're just like you guys. We're going to sell our property. Doo, doo, doo. Those of you on Wednesday nights know what that meant. 
We're, we're going to sell our property and give the money to the church. And they saw everybody do this to Barnabas, and they were waiting for everyone. Man, you guys are just so, got God's grace on your life. I want to be like you, Ananias. Said no one ever again. But anyway, they said, I want, we want to be like you so much. And, and, and they fooled the people. And they sold the land. And they said, I ain't going to do what they said. Them church people, man, they're, they're so easy to fool. Come on, baby, go put this in the bank. And uh, I'm going to go to church first. Then I'm going to go to the early service. And when I go to the early service, I'm going to set it up. I'm going to walk in there. I'm going to be all humble. Be like, it's been such a sacrifice. My son needs a new camel, but we gave the money to the Lord. Y'all remember them days? I'm going to sing a special. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> I haven't had time to practice. This is going to sound awful, but y'all give me grace. <laughs> he come to the early service, and Peter was like, hey, Ananias, what's up? And he goes, Peter, God, God is just so real in my life. just want you to know he spoke to me. Where's Barnabas? I want Barnabas to hear this. He spoke to me too, Barnabas. Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, I've been to church for a while. I see it. I mean, I, and some, I, I just kind of look, and I'm thinking, this dude, I wasn't always a preacher, okay? Right. <laughs> and, and, I, and Peter said, tell me, did you sell, did you give all the money? That you said, you done signed up for the pledge to build that new building. We, we're dependent on that. I mean, that was big, big stuff. Peter said, we gave, and I said, we gave every penny. I want you to see what he said. Verse 3. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, listen to this part. While it remained, was it not your own? And after you sold it, was it not your own, in your own control? See, it's not a socialistic thing that he was doing. It wasn't mandated. Why have you conceived such a thing in your heart? You have not lied to me. You ain't lied to Pastor Peter. I don't care what you've done with your money, bro. It ain't, has nothing to do with me. You didn't lie to me. You didn't lie to Barnabas. You lied to God. This thing is real, Ananias. That 40-year-old man was crippled. You were just heard about it. You just saw it on Facebook. Or you just, he was, he's here. He's an usher now. I don't know. It happened. This thing is real. It happened. And you just come in here with the audacity. And you think you're just going to join this new movement. And lie and perceive and conceive of this lie. Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those, all those that heard it. Okay, think so? <laughs> now, I wonder why God left this story in the Bible. I've often asked that. First of all, I want to set you free. I want you to know there's two things you can learn from it. Number one, this was not a Jesus-loving, God-fearing Sunday school River Kids volunteer team. They were not saved. They were not followers of Christ. They were never mentioned as being a part of the early church. It, it is suggested that they seen what God was doing at this church, and they never intended, never intended of getting serious with God. Come on, never intended at all. They just wanted to join and deceive the people and would cause damage to the infancy of God's new church. That's what was happening here. It's just like your firstborn, when you have a firstborn. You just guard that little baby. The church is in an infant state. Remember your firstborn, those of you almost wrapped it in bubble wrap? You wouldn't let nobody even touch it for three days. You wouldn't let, you know, my baby. And under first-time parents, that's cool. By the time you all have four and five and six, you leave them at the hospital. <laughs> Human nature, right? Some of y'all left number two there anyway because you're like, I already know. Got to throw some humor in there because this is serious stuff. <laughs> but what these people were doing is they were trying to creep into the church, and God said, I'm protecting my newborn baby. 
If they would have came into the church and fooled Peter, which we don't know how Peter knew. I think it's a gift of the Spirit. I think discernment was like, you know you're lying. But I love the headline the next morning. Join that church, you lie, you die. <laughs> you imagine what the people thought when that happens. Imagine that. You know, people are going, we need that back in America. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. Join Growth Track. Come to our church. It may be your last day. <laughs> But so it's not that kind of a thing. But I want you to see these weren't people that were intending of loving Jesus who just didn't give a big enough offering. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not talking about someone who is struggling and working their way through their finances and trying to give and do the best they can. They love Jesus and they're growing. These are two people that had no intentions of growing in their faith. It's like the dude that you see at the gym just sits on the bench on his phone for three hours. But he's there three or four times a week. How I many you know what I'm talking about? He has no intention in us of working out, brother. It's a, you know what I'm saying? He's just there, hitting on the girls on the treadmill. What's up? You know, talking to other people. Hey, you walk your dog today. And they love the social thing. And, that's right. and they're there for months and months and months, and there's no change. Why? Because they had no intention of changing. People come to church, though, every single week and from month in, month out, listen to messages and sermons and listen to Pastor Eddie, no matter what I'm wearing, no matter how I'm preaching, and you have no intention at all in your heart to change. That's why we got it. That's why Jesus said, Luke, I'm going to let you leave that in there. Because it's easy for us to deceive ourselves when we hear the gospel, see the gospel, but we're not living it. America has got a bad problem with this. We, we will repost it. We will share it. We will like it. We will do this and that. We'll do everything but live it. I'm just trying to help you. I'm past, I got my pastor teaching clothes on today. Because there's freedom in being a Barnabas. People say, sin, man, don't, don't serve God. You need freedom, so do what you want to do. That's a life in the pit of hell. It's the exact opposite. You lie and you sin and you start doing that, it will hold you captive. It will hold you captive. So we need stories like this, and this is the second point of why we got this story in there. Is because it teaches us as believers, because there were some believers there that was like, I bet you that offering the next week. <laughs> I bet they built them as big as temple. <laughs> Peter got up, and three hours later, his wife came in and said, Anna and I, I said, Safari, did y'all uh, sell that property? She was like, yeah, we did everything. The Bible says the same thing happened to her. Great fear fell among the people. Peter stood up and said, hey, listen, y'all. You can't get too comfortable with the glory. We need to align ourselves with a healthy fear of the Lord. You're not shying back in terror as they did in Exodus, which, by the way, Moses says you did that because you had sin in your life. Moses said, I draw near to God because I know he's cleansing me. I'm not perfect, but I know I got a heart after God. David said, I ain't perfect, but I'm going to keep going after God. And in nice safari, he said, we ain't going after nobody. We're just going to come in and pretend. So, Pastor Reddy, how come, you know, that don't happen? I'm sure we got that happening like every, every Sunday. But here is the second point is that, um, well, let me give you this scripture. It does happen. God does bring judgment a lot of times to, to people. But Paul says something very interesting in 1 Timothy to young Timothy. He's a young teenager trying to live for God. You read 1 and 2 Timothy, guys. He talks about purity. He talks about running away from people who don't love God. Don't hang around with them. Learn to live godly. Memorize the scripture. He teaches these kind of principles that we all need to learn, but particularly young people. And then he tucks this verse in there because the question is, ooh, ooh, Paul, how come we heard what happened at that early church in, in Jerusalem? How come it don't happen with all of us? And he said, some men's sins are obvious, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. In other words, he said, guys, God's judgment sometimes comes instantly. Like he did NS and Sapphire. He was like, no, this ain't going to go. Because word would have got out that they held back some of that money, and if Ananias held back some of that money, 
and God, be, and he's taking, now he's joining the church, and now he's serving, and he's doing all of this, man. Then, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start living that way. And next thing you know, the early church, that God said, it's an infant. i got to protect it from even mosquitoes, from everything. This is my firstborn baby. i got to protect my church. And God will protect his church just like he protects you. Unless some of you may be in a season right now and you're frustrated because you feel all alone and because this is going on. Don't get upset because God has removed some people in your life. He's done it for your benefit, for your protection, because he's protecting his plan that he has for your life. Come on, go give him some praise for that. Come on, amen. Give me some praise for that. So he says, and so what it does is the second thing this verse t- teaches us in this portion that we need to do the fourth thing, and that is apply the word of God. Not just hear it, but application. This is what they had. They, they applied the word of God. Listen, grace isn't about position. What? It's about practical. It's about practice. It's about living. You don't have to be perfect, but we, we need to hear messages like this because it helps align us in our mind and our attitude with God. He is, he is God. He could do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. I, I don't, without asking our permission. Do you realize that? Paul said in Romans, how can the clay say to the potter, why are you forming me that way? Right? He is God. And sometimes when you hear stories like this, it kind of puts it, okay, you know what? I'm not even going to explain it because I don't even know what happened, but God is God. But I learned from it. And here's the lesson for us Christians. Don't give in to the lie of the devil to play the hypocrite. Hypocrisy. We all battle it because it's easier to be an Ananias and Sapphira than it is to be a Barnabas. It's easier to play the hypocrite. Oh, it's so easy. I did it when I was 13, growing up in church. Oh, I did it. They thought I was saved and on fire for God. I was so far from God. They had no idea. And God gave me grace. And just because you're able to do it doesn't mean God is backing it. Judas stole from the treasury for two and a half years. Jesus never did confront him. (laughs) So he just let it get away. But then God says, now it's time. But we learn. We learn from this not to give in to hypocrisy. See, that's why I mean some people are going to get free today. Because you're never going to get free. I never got free when I held on to things. I only got free when I said, okay, God. You're right. Okay, God, I'm letting it go. I, I, I'm coming in. You know, some people, you know, they fall in and out of church. It's like that kid that was sleeping in the bed and his dad kept hearing him fall out five and ten times a night. Boom, boom, boom. He'd fall out of the bed. Little Johnny came down and said, Dad, I keep falling out of the bed. Can you help fix that? And he goes, yeah, Johnny, it's very simple. You're just not far enough in. And Ananias and Sapphira are examples of people who just ain't far enough in. Barnabas was all in. If you get anything out of this message today, God's given you the grace to be all in. Somebody need to put that on Twitter. God has given me the grace to be all in. Because here's the thing. Everybody wondered what Barnabas has. Well, you got to do what Barnabas does. Dad served the Lord. Mom and dad, awesome marriage, been saved and been married for over 50 plus years. They have respect and honor, a legacy, and we want that. But we don't want to do what they did. I can tell you about the people that come against my mom and dad in the other church and in e-course years ago when I was a teenager watching it, people that were my Sunday school teachers and just got together and gossiped and come against my mom and said things at, my, at women's meetings and, and come at my dad where God physically tried to attack my dad a couple of times, waited for him after church because his wife got on fire for God and was coming to church on Sunday and that was his day. I can tell you about over and over again with the threats that they got and the heat that they fought through, but they kept walking through because God gave them the grace and now we're all here today that's ready I love what you're done you and Melinda God's doing something in your life man but I'm here to tell you man walking free and and breaking free from the chains of addiction and and leaving the alcohol and the drinking alone and saying no to it man I know there's people that don't like that there's people that won't come to this church because I stand I make a stance against abstinence on alcohol they hate it and listen I know it's easy it's acceptable everywhere you deal with God your own on that, bro. 
That's all I'm saying. I know what I can handle and what I don't handle. I know what I can mess around with and what I can't. And the Bible says don't even look at it when it swirls in the glass because it bites like a serpent. And I said, okay, that's good enough for me. He may be good enough for you, bro, but I don't. And here's the biggest thing, because I want God's favor and great grace to be upon my life. I found something better. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy. It's not. But God gives me the grace to do it, don't he, Ennis? 24 years, he, he gives us the grace, don't he, Amber? Serving the Lord at 14 years old, only one coming out of her family and her school, serving the Lord by herself, getting a ride to come to church, loving God. Her first, I remember she said, I'm getting my license, Pastor Eddie. I said, you seem so excited. She goes, yeah, and the first thing she said, because I get to drive myself to church. All other 14, 15, they want to drive. Wasn't well, the church, it ain't the first place they want to go. And guess what? God just happened to have this man from Southwest Detroit, River Rouge, showed up. Now they're sitting here expecting their firstborn baby, first time homeowners. How'd that happen, Pastor Eddie? God's grace. They were applying the word, living it. Everybody say, living it. Living it. Because it's easier, as I said, it's easier to dress like a Christian than live like one. Come on, somebody. It is. They applied the word of God. They applied the word of God. This is good preaching. I'm glad I came to church today. Amen. Obedience. This is a part of an application. Obedience follows faith. Because people say, well, they're saved by faith, and people get hung up on that. No, no, no. If you really believe, obedience is a product of that. Just like when you don't believe, disobedience is a product of unbelief. Can I hit you with another one that shook me up years ago? The only part of the Bible we really believe are the part that we're living. That shook me when I heard that. So you know what I say? The areas that I fall short, I don't hide and act like Ananias and Sapphira. I'm like, okay, God, I, I need to clean this up. I need to clean this up. I need to get all the way in the bed. Somebody needs to hear that today. You need to get all the way in the bed. God brought you to this service today for you to hear. You need to get all the way in the bed. Some of y'all are in halfway in. You got your shoe on and, and, and halfway on, and you're halfway in the bed, and God says, no, kick it off. Roll all the way in. I need to be with you. You need to be with me. We need to be with each other. You need to trust me. And God said he's going to have that better life. So obedience shows up all over the scripture. It shows up, they applied the word. Lastly, is courage. They had courage. I want you to look at the scriptures. The worship team comes. And they agreed with him. And when they called the apostles, they were beaten. They were beaten for preaching. But look what it says. They went away rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer his shame. Your, your notes earlier in point four said, you will not see the power of God in your life without application. But he ends, I want you to see this, that they never stopped teaching the word. They never stopped proclaiming the word. How did they do that? Because it wasn't something that they read. It's something that they lived. And this is, this is really, you may say like, wow, I've never heard a message on grace like that. <laughs> because we have been indoctrinated, unfortunately, by the wrong kind or just one perspective of grace. Grace covers our sin, absolutely. What is so beautiful is right now, if you know those issues the Holy Spirit has touched you on, what is so beautiful about grace is right now you can say, God, forgive me of it. It's gone. It's gone. But I want to go a step further. I'm your pastor. I want you to ask for that grace to empower you to continue to live for him, to apply the word so you can help others in your family. And it takes courage to serve the Lord, but it's got to be something we live out. Stand with me today. One of my favorite movies is a movie called Slumdog Millionaire. And it's about this young kid who grows up in the slums of India, just filled with hard knocks, and he overcomes tremendous odds, and he ends up on this game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And they ask him these questions, and he just blows through these questions. They think he's cheating. I won't give it away in case you haven't seen it, of what happens on that last question. But they think he's cheating. 
This kid is from nowhere and he's, he's beating everybody. He's blowing all the records. He's, he's answering these hard questions. He's getting rich. And you know what, how he did it? Every question they asked him, he didn't read it out of a book. He didn't memorize it. Every question was connected to a memory that he had experienced in his own life. <laughs> so they asked him a question and in the movie, it takes you back when he was a kid and he answers it. That's, he had the grace to win at that game. How do you get the grace to do what the early church did? We gotta live it. We gotta live it, we gotta experience it. Come on, and do you want it today? This ain't a hard, man, this ought to encourage you to want more and to draw more to God, because I want more of your grace, God. I want my shadow to heal people. I want my husband to be on fire. I want my son to be on fire. I want my wife to be on fire. Well, God, start with me. Come on, start with me today. Come on, I want to open these altars right now. I'm not going to patty cake and take forever. If you need more of God's grace in your life, if you need pray for, prayer for anything to get a breakthrough, come up here, line up in this front. Let us pray for you today. We're going to sing this song. And we're going to just go after God right now. Come on, you can get free. This kind of preaching has set you free. This kind of preaching set me free. This is God's grace. It covers my sin. It'll cover what you did last night. It'll cover what you did this morning. But it'll do more than cover you. It'll empower you. You don't got to go back to that no more. You could be like Barnabas. He went on, and you're going to see him, what he did, some amazing things. And that's all of you right now in Jesus' name. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.